Okay, we've got about a minute left. We'll go ahead and get started. <laughs> Thank you all for hanging out a little bit longer this morning. I know some of you have faithfully gone to Sunday school this morning, uh, been to services, and now you're staying after church, uh, which is awesome, and I appreciate that, and we all do. Uh, to hear about what God is doing, the stirrings of the Holy Spirit within the life of our congregation. And uh, this will not only serve as a look forward, but also a look backward to where we've been and what God has done among us, amongst us in years past. And so um, I want to say a prayer that we all might hear one another in a common spirit, in a common tongue, and uh, we would be a common tribe of God's people across the globe as we seek to further the kingdom of God. Um, so let us pray. Heavenly God, thank you for sending Fred to us this morning to remind us that the global church, the kingdom of God, is more important than any of our divisions, that there should be no divisiveness amongst the body of Christ, that you will pour yourself out in visions and, uh, and in ministry opportunities that might bind us together in unity, that all things that separate and divide might go away over our concentration on the gospel of Christ and the furtherance of the kingdom. And so help us to be a small part of that here at St. Paul's as you're working in Kenya, work in our hearts as you're working at St. Timothy's, as you're working in our new church plant across town, as you're working in global Anglicanism, bind us together with a common spirit and a common mission to glorify Jesus in all that we do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, I want to welcome you all here today. Um, uh, Tyler's arrived, which is great. Um, he'll have a little part in just a minute. And your vestry will have a little part in just a minute. Um, but I wanted to just say thank you. And uh, to, to thank, you know, even though he's not here, Mike Lumpkin for 19 incredible years of ministry where several visions were laid out before the congregation. And you, the people of God, faithfully pursued those various callings, those various visions. And so I want to thank Mike for his fine ministry and his legacy that he left with us. But I came on four years ago, and I've studied the top ten things that will kill a new pastor's ministry. And uh, you know that like number five or six is following a long-tenured pastor right before you? So uh, you always want to be the guy after the guy. Not the guy, <laughs> the directly after the guy, the two guys in front. Uh, that's right. So I think my first sermon to you was, um, please don't ask me to be like Mike. And, and you've been gracious enough not to, to ask me to be like Mike. And so now we've got a new season of ministry. We feel loved and cared for. I speak for my wife, wife Leslie, and our family. And, and we love you guys. And over these last four years, we've grown to not only see you as a vibrant congregation, but as friends and, and uh, fellow uh, workers for the kingdom. And so we're excited about that and thank Mike for, for his legacy that he left. Uh, so we welcome you to uh, the Vision Luncheon 2019. And uh, let's just set the ground rules. What a vision is not, okay? A vision is not your values. Although we created some church values we believe that those values have been going on long before Leslie and the Jeffords and I got here. We believe that these have been sustaining principles for a very long time. And um, your vision is not your purpose. We've developed a ministry purpose as well since I've been here. But your vision is different from both of these, okay? 
So if you wanted to define values, you might say that these are beliefs or ideals that are part of a culture, whether it be a business institution or the institution of the church, the body of Christ. And it is those principles, those values that allow us to judge what is good and bad, what is desirable or undesirable. They influence our behavior and our attitudes And really, they're just broad guidelines for the structure of an institution in all situations. So that would be our our values. And our purpose, since I got here, uh, we defined our purpose uh, as our process for discipleship and uh, uh, leadership making. And, uh, you know, Matthew 28 calls, I think, all churches to the Great Commission. Uh, He sends us out to baptize all nations in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and lo, that I'm with you always through the end of the age. So teaching and disciple-making is part of the DNA of every church, and we had to put a purpose, a process to that purpose. And so through going over the simple church, um, St. Paul's decided that its purpose would be disciple-making, fulfilling the Great Commission, and that we would have a process for that. That would be the purpose of our church. So just to define those two things, St. Paul's core values are to remain, and I think these go way back into Mike's ministry as well, that we are biblically minded. That we're bi- When we ask questions about the church and how we are to behave and, and do things in the church, we're to go to the scriptures first. We're to be Christ-centered. He is the incarnate face of God in our midst. He is our... Uh, our point of worship. He's the one we adore for his work on the cross. He is the one to be worshiped and adored in our church. So we're biblically minded, Christ-centered, and going way back to Mike's ministry, this has been a Holy Spirit-driven church. The Holy Spirit drives the mechanism, gives us inspiration and passion for ministry. It tells us where to go and what to do and gives a vision to her people, to his people. And I think that's where we are right now. Biblically-minded, Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-driven. And that process that I've talked about, fulfilling Matthew 28, is we want to connect people to Jesus Christ. We want to grow them in his grace. And that we want everybody to serve Christ in the church and in the world. So we bring people in through worship and, and through our Connect ministry. Heather is our Connect minister now and helps people to get engaged in the life of the church uh, and then she hands people off to Kathy McGrew, who helps them to grow in grace by getting them in Bible studies and life groups. And then Kathy takes them on an exploration of Connect 102, where they figure out their passions and their spiritual gifts and their shape for ministry. And then she plugs them in. So that's how we make disciples here. But that's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is vision. Not values, not purpose, but vision. And if you want to see a vision, it is a picture of what God is calling his people toward in the future. Toward in the future. It's a snapshot of what the church might look like in our next season together. In the next five to seven years or something like that. If we faithfully execute the plan that God has for us. So we're capturing God's vision. And that demands that we be prayerful, spirit-filled. We go into a time of listening and community participation. So that's been going on for a year and a half, and you're at the unveiling stage. We're kind of at the end of setting the vision. Now the goals for ministry and the objectives for ministry will now begin to be put into place by the leadership, but this is just the overarching framework of vision today. 
So looking back on our past, during Mike's time, there are several visions that were raised up. Uh, one that I can see clearly is a vision for um, healing prayer ministry and spirit-filled prayer. And uh, the, the uh, intercessory team is a great example of that. The continued connection with the McNutt ministry uh, for healing prayer, levels one, two, and three, and so forth. People are engaged in that right now. And so healing prayer just kind of captivated Mike's heart for a while, and, and he, he poured that out to the congregation, and y'all became a church of healing prayer and personal prayer ministry. Um, personal evangelism, it's clear that for a season, uh, Mike stressed Alpha, which we continue to stress. And what I want to say about this is any old vision is going to have powerful pieces that continue to move forward into the future. You don't get rid of something that the Holy Spirit has raised up in order to re uh, replace it with something else. You, you take those things and you add to it another opportunity for ministry in the future. So Alpha is still an important part of our congregation. Um, Mike started a 1045 service particularly to reach people with evangelism that may not feel comfortable in the institutional church as it typically is done with all of our formularies and rites and prayers and Anglicanism to strip it down so that people could engage and hear the gospel. Um, our AA groups were challenged to come to Alpha. And clearly you can see that word impact ministry, which was a season of ministry here in the life of the church, and many, many outreach uh, and mission works were created during that time of impact ministry. Free medical clinic, Meals on Wheels. Uh, I think while it isn't a part of impact, our Christian Learning Center has had its impact on Somerville, on parents and children, and people still talk highly of our CLC. Uh, food distribution, Good Neighbor Fund, and so many more uh, ministries were raised up under this season of vision for impact ministries. And so those continue. We have a fine food distribution. Um, sadly enough, the chapter of our Haiti mission has now closed, uh, but we continue to explore now new missionary opportunities in places like Kenya and what God may be calling us to further do in Honduras. And so we're excited about that. So those ministries live on. So where are we now? We entered a time of lawsuits, and y'all know well about that, and they are a threat to the life of a congregation. Um, and, and I'll talk more about this, but this kind of, this tree was a symbol of those early uh, parts of the bad ruling from the Supreme Court of South Carolina. Uh, and oddly enough, during this talk, we will go from tree, uh, disaster, uh, crisis mode, into another tree that produces life and ministry and hope for God's people. So we've gone full circle in the past year and a half or two years. But initially, we got a bad ruling, three to two, in the Supreme Court, saying that we, uh, depending on which, uh, how the opinions flesh out, there were five different opinions about the one ruling, so we don't know how it's all going to flesh out. But if it stayed in place, then there's a good chance we could lose our properties. And while properties are not the most important thing for a church. I know that they are important to do ministry in. They're important for people to feel a, a place of safety and security and worship. And so we can't discount the loss of properties, okay? But in the midst of this, Branch Shelburne, our chancellor, and everybody had a hangdog look on their face, uh, tail between their legs. Oh, what will we do without our precious buildings? 
he came to our vestry one night, and he just, just poured out uh, what he would do if he were in our vestry's place. And Brant said something to the effect of, leave the legal work to the lawyers, and you people go and do the ministry of Christ in his church. And ever since that, that was a turning point for us. It wasn't any longer, now we've lost a couple families over lawsuits, and we ought not to be suing one another, but we're long past the point of, of being able to get out of that cleanly. But while we're in it right now, we've got to focus on mission and ministry. And so that's what we uh, designed to do based on what Brant brought to the vestry that night. Let the legal work be in the hands of the lawyers, our chancellor, and the diocesan council um, and uh, standing committee. Uh, so we decided that night that we would prayerfully seek God's preferred vision for our future. And that is what a vision's all about, God's preferred future uh, for our church. And secondly, we said, you know, rather than focus on losing our properties here, let's talk about planning a church. Wouldn't that be exciting? There's no, way to, no better way to take your, your, your mind and your heart off of a bad thing than point it towards a good thing, like planning a new church. And the scripture that came to my mind was um, Jeremiah chapter 32. If you hadn't read that for a while, uh, you know that God has already through the prophet tried to call the people of Israel into repentance over their idolatry and their sinfulness and they've resisted God. And so God is bringing judgment through the Babylonians and they are literally camped out at the walls of Jerusalem about to take Judah and the southern kingdom. They are a, a world superpower. And the Jewish people, uh, the people of Judah, are about to be crushed. And in the midst of this war zone, God said, Jeremiah, I want you to go out and buy a piece of property. Now, why would God call him to, to buy a piece of real estate if it's not going to be owned by them soon? If they're going to be taken over by these marauding forces of, uh, forces of Babylon? It was because God always promises a future with hope. A future with hope. God's saying to Jeremiah, do the radical thing in the midst of, of this war-torn zone and do that hopeful thing that would say to my people, I will come back and I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten and I will bless you royally in the future. And so I'm like, well, we're not in the place to buy a piece of property or a piece of land, but the idea of hope and a future is the same. And so we started praying about planting a new church, doing something the enemy, our, the devil, would never have expected. He wanted us to cower down, find a place in a corner, uh, all huddled together, circle the wagons, and we're no, we're, we're going to go out and do something very positive. And so I want you to hear some of that from uh, Tyler, if Father Tyler's here, um, and uh, some about our, our new church plant, where they are. I know many of you cannot be there physically, and they would literally be overwhelmed if you showed up physically. Uh, they are maxed out pretty much. Uh, it's always a great delight to be there. Um, but he's going to tell you a little bit about what it means to purchase property uh, or to give a hope uh, for the future in the midst of a war zone. Um, Okay, I'll stop it right there. I'll go ahead and, uh, Tyler, if you have anything to say, I've got your video queued up. And yeah, we can do the video first. Let's do that. 
Were you saying if I had anything to say? <laughs> I definitely have something to say. Um, we've been going through Philippians in the church plant. Uh, if y'all don't know me, I'm Tyler. Um, if y'all forgot me, uh, y'all sent me to plant the church um, about eight months ago. And I come back from time to time, and um, we think about y'all often at the church plant. Um, so really quickly, we're, we're going through Philippians, and, and this is sort of one of the opening verses and um, it just made us all think of y'all whenever we, whenever we read it, and we read it frequently. Um, I thank God, or we thank God, in all of our remembrance of you, always, in every prayer of ours, for you all making our prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And that's Paul's prayer for his beloved Philippians because they have been such um, amazing partners in the gospel. And that's certainly um, our prayer and our thoughts as we reflect on St. Paul's and our partnership in the gospel. I mean, you saw in some of the pictures even we had a baptism of baby Jack Terry. And um, they were St. Paul's parishioners were the godparents. And so they were there. And, and it's just this, this linking is so deep and so full. So we're... Thankful for that. But um, really quick, just an update where we've been. We left, we went in February with five families. We had um, 10 adults and 17 kids to, um, <laughs> yeah, right. So to take this, um, uh, this season of discernment and prayer, is God calling us to 
um, plant a new church out in the Ponds area, the Summers Corner area of Somerville, because as you all know, on that upper Dorchester Road, the Ponds, Summers Corner, that area is growing very quickly. And so uh, we began to pray, and we were meeting in living rooms. And the way we prayed about this was, well, we're going to worship together, and we know that in our worship, and we understand this as Anglicans really well, that in our worship, God will guide our discernment. Um, and he did. And by the time we came out of the spring, we felt very good and very called um, to plant this church. How do we know? Well, what God is doing. Um, God has given us all a sense of ownership of this church. As y'all might know, I went, um, my family and I went on vacation for four weeks this summer. And um, when we came back, the church was bigger than it was when we left. Um, and I knew that wasn't because of anything I had done. That was these folks out here that are owning um, the mission and ministry out there. Um, the relationships we built are, are very deep and very genuine and real. And I think when anybody comes to visit us, they get a sense that, oh, these, you know, just like when people come to St. Paul's, they say, well, everybody is so friendly and so welcoming and so genuine. And I think we've inherited that DNA because um, we feel the same way about each other. And when people come in, they experience that sort of holy fellowship of the Lord. Um, we're having amazing conversations, and, and God is so good because I don't think we've necessarily changed. Um, God is doing this in spite of us, but it's like every single one of us is having opportunities to talk to people about Jesus that we never had before. Or if we did have them, we ignored them because every week somebody says, I talked to so-and-so at the pool or at the playground or picking my kids up from school. Um, they're interested in what God's doing, or they're interested in, in our church. No, they don't go to church anywhere right now, but they might come to ours one day. Um, amazing conversations the Lord is doing. And then finally, um, and this is probably the least important, although it's still amazing, the, you know, the group that started out with um, 10 adults and 17 kids now has 20 adults and 31 children. Um, and so, as you can imagine, our living rooms are packed. They're just, they're just very full. Um, and it's, it's a joy because our, our hearts are full as well. Um, so really quick, where are we going? Well, I just got back from a church planning conference. And one of the um, Ten Commandments of church planning is don't, don't do a public launch too early. You want to have all the pieces in place. You want the volunteers setting up, taking down, doing, doing very public things is very taxing. And so, um, so we're still building. We're still building a team. Um, we think we need... Um, 35 to 50 adults, probably around 35 to 40 adults, um, to have a good, solid volunteer base, a critical mass, to one day be able to um, put up a sign somewhere and say, hey, come, come see us at, at church, um, just, just the general public. So we're still building a team. As we know people, as people are interested, we say, well, come check us out, and if you like what God's doing here, maybe you want to be a part of it. Um, so we're building a team. Um, to do that, as you can imagine, um, we need a little bit bigger space um, because the living rooms are packed. Um, kids are disproportionately large uh, compared to their actual size. And so, so we need some more room. And we're, we're, we're working on identifying um, where God might be calling us to meet. We have a place in mind. I can't say it yet because it's not official. Um, but hopefully we will know that soon. Um, we're figuring we're going to need a name and a vision at some point. Um, we're working on these things. But at the same time, it's been really neat to see that, that people are not coming to us because we have a neat name or neat programs or neat vision, although we'll have these things, um, they're coming because we have the gospel. That's why they come to church at St. Paul's. That's why they would go to church anywhere. It's because we have something the world needs, and it's the grace and love of Jesus Christ. And so 
um, that's where we are. That's where we're headed. Um, at some point, once we sort of secure a place and, and see how things are building, we'll set a date for a public um, launch. Um, but in the meantime, please continue your prayers for us. I'm happy to chat with anybody about this um, just to let you know what's going on and what's happening. And so um, I look forward to sharing with you all as, as you're able, if you're interested, about the church plant. Um, in the meantime, we appreciate your prayers, and we're so thankful, so very thankful for your continued um, support, whether it's financially or whether it's with your prayers or your support or um, just, just all of it. We're very thankful for that. So, um, so thank you, and God bless. Thank you, Tyler. I hope, hope you all realize that um, rarely in a, a century does an Anglican church plant another church. And we, in just a decade, are, are very proud of St. Timothy's. And uh, it looks like we've got another burgeoning church that's uh, uh, fledgling right now, but they're going in the right direction. And what an honor it is. Uh, so when you talk about uh, being distracted, being focused on lawsuits, uh, no, we're focused on planting churches and evangelism. Uh, some other great things that have uh, come our way in this, this uh, past year that we had prayed about, I had been praying about for four years, is that uh, we might actually be able to um, partner with a church at some uh, school at some point. We've got Christian Learning Center, and it's great, but they have not had a feeder group to feed into in kindergarten. They are shaping kids for the gospel, shaping their academic lives, shaping connections amongst people in Somerville, but they have no place to go uh, into kindergarten. This past year, we had Trinity Classical Academy come to us about the potential of a partnership of renting the rest of our space out during the week and uh, partnering with this school that had a classical understanding of education with Latin, with biblical studies, uh, with arts and music, as well as other academics. And um, so we've begun that. And if it works out well, our CLC is going to have something very exciting to push people into in the K through the 8th grade. If you've been here on campus during the week, you see faces and energy and the whole campus being used up to the glory of God. We are great stewards over what God's given us, and that's just very exciting. Church planting, partnering with schools. Uh, when we started this lawsuit thing, we said, um, we're not going to be the buildings, we're going to be the church. And of course, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, now you are the body of Christ, and individual, individually you are members of it. And so the idea is a, a living, dynamic organism, which is the church, the body of Christ, the family of God, those washed in the blood of the Lamb. And so we said, you know, how many of us know the church to be the people and not the buildings? And will you commit to it? And Diane Frankenberger and his, her wonderful group of ladies um, designed a tree. And the idea is that Kenyans and Nigerians and uh, Ugandans and others, they oftentimes don't have a space to meet in. And they oftentimes will travel miles to meet under a grand tree for shade in order to worship the one true God on a Sunday morning. And we're like, we need to be more like a tree church. We need to be going wherever God has called us to go and be the people of God. And even if it comes down to meeting under a tree, to do it together. And so you see all these names of family members and people who committed to that vision early on. Not to be distracted by lawsuits, but becoming the people of God. Meeting under a tree if necessary. 
And of course, the church plant is a good example of us reaching out to another area of Somerville. Now, what about our vision? In Pentecost of 2018, roughly a year and a half ago, uh, I wrote to you about a season of uh, vision casting. And we just had this one verse laid upon our hearts, 1 Corinthians 2.9. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We love God here at this church. And we had no idea what God has prepared for us, but we wanted to to devote a season of prayerful investigation, of spirit-inspired investigation. We called it Imagine. And so we began... Uh, with two other verses that were foundational. That when the Holy Spirit comes on all flesh, Joel 2.28, your sons and daughters are going to start to prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And so if we are that spirit-filled church that we claim to be, we knew that God would raise something up because we, uh, we were seeking his face through the power of the Spirit. Um, and lastly, but not least, In Habakkuk, in chapter 2, verse 2, we're called, once the Spirit moves and gives a church a vision, we're called to write it down on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Somebody will take that vision out to the world to say, this is what that church believes in. This is what their God stands for. And I'm excited about this. We're writing down a vision now putting it on tablets and t-shirts and other places, and so that we as the heralds of God here at this church can run with it. We started that process out a year and a half ago with examining our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, often called in the business terms a SWOT analysis. We gathered a lot of data from that, and I want the vestry to come up and and, uh, share with us a word or two about uh, that process. but we met in, with the vestry, uh, we met with the staff, the paid ministry staff. Uh, we met in life groups to do the SWOT analysis. We asked y'all to go over to the atrium and, and meet over there for larger group gatherings, uh, all with the intent of discovering um, the vision that God has given us and imagining what that might be and so that we can write it down and be heralds to run with it. All right, anybody from the vestry here? <laughs> Come on, folks. Okay, so uh, thank you, everybody, who's been, who've been in prayer about this. Uh, thank you to our leadership and our vestry who've uh, tried to discover God's will for our church for the next five to seven years in this vision. Uh, everybody who got in the large group gatherings and shared in, in life groups and that sort of thing. Uh, would anybody from the vestry care to say something in that mic about the process that we went through and uh, your view from the leadership perspective? Because Before we go there, yeah. I, I just want you to know. What, let's speak in the mic. <laughs> this is a church. This is a synod. <laughs> <laughs> so Rick is your junior warden. Scott Pelker is in Israel beholding the man which is an awesome thing, but uh, he will be back after a while. He couldn't be here today. Uh, Rick, could you speak into the mic and tell us uh, maybe any any of your reflections about how we boiled this thing down and how you saw God move? Sure. First of all, this was all done through the covering of prayer. Every step of the way, we prayed about it, we prayed over it. I know as Tripp was gathering, 
with a SWOT analysis from all the, all the different groups that you went around to. Again, it was prayerfully done. Everyone was given a chance to speak up. I remember the ones in January that we had here, large turnouts. And so what, what did we do with all the data? So we prayed about it as a vestry. Uh, we came up with basically that uh, the trip, the senior warden and I would, would kind of look at all, we'd lay out all the data and then we'd figure out how to boil it down. And so what we did is we, we prayed about it long and hard for like a month or so and then we met and we prayed about it that day and all throughout the day and then right before we went through it. And then we kind of laid everything out. We individually went through each one of the lists. We came up with our list of what are the things that are repeated in all these, what are the trends, what do we see, and then what are the outliers as well. And so we went through individually and then all three of us kind of came together and we compared our list and unbelievably our lists were very similar. And what we felt like the big key points were in all the different ones. And then we looked at the outliers, the things that when we mentioned once or twice, were those, how do we incorporate those? So then we prayed about it again and we brought this to the vestry and that's where we started to talk about this vision. What are different ways that we can incorporate all these things? Here are the big things, here are the big chunks kind of we see, um, what do you see? And so everybody had a lot of input. And again, this took us, this is not like an overnight thing. This took the vestry a couple months to kind of boil it down and, and we've come up with this vision through lots of prayer and discussion. So that's kind of my that's opinion of it. I don't, anybody want to add anything? As Rick was just saying, the uh, senior warden, junior warden, and um, Tripp uh, did a lot of praying. But as vestry member, we were really, uh, I was astounded by what you all put down and how yeah. much similarity it was. You mm -hmm. all see exactly where we should be going. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing how close those, those strengths and our weaknesses were. Mm. We know the threats out there, but the strength that we have as a congregation was amazing. So I just wanted to say, you guys did a great job. Thank you, Rick, and thank you, Jay. Um, Vestry, I would request now um, to, uh, to take some of our bumper stickers and car stickers, and don't hand them out yet before I've talked about them, but take some, take some with you. And at the proper time, I'd like for y'all to be my ushers and help us hand those out. So take a handful and, uh, and go ahead and, and Go back to your seat, and then at the proper time, we'll, we'll give those out for you as a free gift for coming today. Um, and so we think we've got one for everybody, but as Rick said, we had laid out in the connect room over there like 12, 14 tables and all this newsprint and all this information. We had no idea how to collect it and manage it and make sense of it, and all of a sudden, we all three just took out our own pad and pencil and prayed over it and lay hands on it and said, God, speak. And as Jay and Rick said, he spoke. And here's what he spoke to us. Um, from boiling down your information, there were some outliers, but this is primary, that strengths at St. Paul's, preaching and teaching and the Bible and Christian formation, um, warmth and hospitality and welcome, as Tyler said, you know, part of the DNA that's been passed on to our church plant. Um, worship, particularly Anglican style of worship that has liturgy and rhythm 
and uh, a, a crescendo at the Holy Eucharist and then sending people out to be apostles of God uh, is important. Pastoral care, in reach, life groups, Holy Spirit filled, which is one of our values as well. Strong prayer emphasis, the, the McNutt healing prayer ministry is still strong in our church. And authenticity and relationships. So those were some of the strengths that came up. Uh, weaknesses, uh, here's where you, you kind of kind of shy away, don't want to really deal with this, but we've got to. Uh, stewardship and finances. We've not always glowed as well as we could with stewardship and finances, uh, which has caused a, uh, a degrading of our, our buildings, uh, our facilities. Uh, sometimes we've had cleanliness issues in various places. If you go into Scarden, there's big you know, mold spots in the top. And we're taking care of that. We're doing better. We know it's a weakness. We actually patched the, the, the top of uh, garden, and now it doesn't leak. But now we've got to get parishioners in to help paint and scrape and make it beautiful again. So this is a team effort. Um, we also realize that one of our weaknesses is volunteers and leadership development. And I see this banner. This is evidently from another vision that Mike had uh, when he was here. And it, relay, it goes back to the Great Commission, and it says, Every member Christ's minister. Uh, if you've been here long enough, you probably know that phrase. Uh, everybody having a ministry that satisfies and delights them and challenges them and makes them a stakeholder in the body of Christ. Do you have that in your life? Well, we believe that it's important. And uh, so we're going to start to raise that up. Uh, young adults between 18 and 30, we know we've got a gap there. Uh, men's ministry, we could do better. Communications, evangelism, and, and loving our neighbor. And there you have the art of neighboring coming out. Opportunities that we have, well, Tyler will tell you, that area uh, near Summer's Corner is going to have about 6,000 homes out there. And there's an opportunity to plant a church in a growing area, uh, expanding mission field, uh, multiracial, multicultural. That came up a lot that we are primarily a middle-class, lily-white congregation. We don't want to be that forever. My man Fred is actually the better representative of Anglicanism across the globe. Two-thirds of the Anglican communion are people of color. Would it be neat if we had much more diversity, socioeconomic, ethnic, and racial? Um, combined worship, we some people said we, we need better connection because it's a very traditional church service over there. It's a little bit more contemporary over here, but we need to connect those congregations in love. Um, our outreach that we do through, um, through the food distribution and other places can be leveraged to become that outreach into our community. Um, so there you see the rest, Christian education, better presence in our community out in Somerville, and those are all leading kind of to the art of neighboring. Um, what are our threats? The loss of property, we've spoken into that. The uncertainty about our future, uh, only God holds the future, so we don't know uh, what he holds, but we know it's good and hopeful. Uh, misperceptions, if you listen to people like the Caldwell guy that uh, published a, a, a piece last week, they call us... Um, in their writings, homophobic, misogynistic, um, terrible names about our bishop and what we stand for. Uh, we are losing the, the media war uh, in the Diocese of South Carolina, and none of it's true, but we got to be clear about who we are. 
that we're a biblical people who love Jesus Christ and love other people. And we got to let that love shine in such a way that people will, will take up Caldwell's writings and say, he, he's lying. On every page, he's lying. So who are we as Anglicans? Uh, the growth of non-denominational churches. One of the things we said is we can't be New Spring, and we don't want to be Seacoast. They've got their niche in the kingdom, and we're not called to be that. Our niche is Anglicanism, a very orderly form of worship that's sacramentally centered, that has the rhythms of seasons in and out of seasons throughout the year. Uh, we've got a beauty and a richness and a, a symmetry to our worship, and we want to play that up. In fact, we've had some women here in our parish who just took it upon themselves to start studying liturgy and history, and, and they're very excited about learning why we do what we do, and what a great niche that would be, not to be Seacoast, not to be New Spring, but to be St. Paul's Anglican. Um, time elements. Everybody's too busy, and we talked about that last week, too busy to do the art of neighboring. Will we adjust our schedules to be faithful to what God has called us to do, and lack of lay participation? Um, which brings us down to some, something someone said to a staff member just this past week. The leaders at St. Paul's seem so capable that we don't always feel needed as far as lay ministry is concerned. And part of that, if we have conveyed that message to you, please don't believe that. In fact, this next season of ministry is going to be about raising lay people up. And using the vestry and the staff to become coaches and disciples of folks so that they have ministry that satisfies and delights them. Not that the staff needs to do the ministries, but they need to be conductors of the orchestra. And that's the new part of the new vision. Um, some other threats, uh, culture war and, and youth, uh, particularly middle school students, they're a threat. No, I'm just kidding. That, that, that's, that's meant to be, we need to protect our youth from the threats, which is the culture war and the bullying and the social media and everything else these kids have to endure these days. We need to grow a Christian culture that's a, a bastion of Christ's grace to protect them from a sinful and darkened world. So anyway, some guiding principles came forward, and I'll speed up a little bit so that you'll uh, have some time at the end for any questions, but uh, this kind of ancient modern movement, these women studying Anglicanism, a phrase that came up is rooted in the past uh, yet relevant today, and, and I like that. It's the ancient modern uh, movement, which is connecting to the past yet being relevant today, um, and there's a book by Winfield Bevins, if you want to do Ever Ancient, Ever New, which is kind of what we're shooting for. Uh, guiding principle number two, that we would have good news to all people, not just to people that look like us and act like us and think like us. We want holistic, from cradle to grave, good news for all people. The gospel is good news. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus says, go into all the world and proclaim the good news, the gospel, to the whole creation. We want to be uh, bearers of God's gospel to the whole creation. Uh, next principle is forming servant leaders. We've talked a lot about that already, but the bottom line is we've got great leaders, but it, as I look at some of these leaders, they're getting old. Uh, I, I just no other way to say it. <laughs> and, and 
wouldn't it be great to have some young folks to begin to coach and assist and to study and, and realize the trade, whatever ministries they're involved in, and to share young and old together to coach up the next generation? Um, and that doesn't mean we'd want to displace anybody from leadership. Uh, I'm getting older too, uh, but I'm not going to retire at 65 from, from ministry. Even if I'm not in the parish anymore, I'm going to still be doing ministry. We don't put you out to pasture, in other words. You've always got a place of ministry. But it would be delightful to have the youth and the energy of young people to, to really begin to fulfill that vision we have for the church. So uh, raising up and forming servant leaders. And isn't that what Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew 20? Whoever wants to become great among you, must become your servant. And just as the Son of Man, Jesus himself came uh, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus set the pattern of servant leadership, and we want to form servant leaders. And finally, the guiding principle of building neighborly communities. Um, I was at the Dyson Convention, and when uh, Dave Runyon, the writer of this book, said, um, how many of you take the uh, the the great commandments of Jesus, seriously and literally. And, and how many of you um, understand those two summaries of the law uh, as something you ought to be doing with your neighbor uh, that lives in close proximity? And I'm like, well, I've got a church, and I love them. I've got a life group, and I, they're my neighbors. I love on them. And I've got a men's group, and I love them. And, and I'm pouring out all of my energy right now into the, my people at St. Paul's and here this crazy guy is asking me to be a real neighbor to the guy across the street and the guy to the right and the woman to the left and actually see my neighbor as those around me. I'm like, I was convicted, and I hope you are. So becoming a, a neighborly community. So here's the last thing before we actually give you the vision and that sort of thing. But during one vestry meeting, all these um, scriptural references to growth and trees and plantings and sowings and cultivatings and those sorts of things, they just sort of bubbled up. And I wasn't really forcing the conversation in any one direction, but we saw where the Spirit was going with this. And we went back to like Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Uh, pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, growth, harvesting, all that kind of stuff planting of seeds. I'm the vine, you're the branches, John 15, 5. Uh, whoever abides in me bears much fruit. Um, Matthew 28, we've already gone over the great commission. The parable of the sower and the seed, remember that? Jesus talks about people going out with the word of God and dropping seeds indiscriminately. Some would fall on the hardened path and not make any progress, and some would fall on thin soil and would spring up quickly, but quickly die because of the heat of the sun. Some would fall on better soil, and yet it would be choked out by thorns and thistles, the cares of this life. But some would fall on rich, deep soil, and its roots would be planted deeply, and it would flourish for the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, that rich soil is the one who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundredfold, sixtyfold, and another thirtyfold. Um, and finally, the great commandment, love the Lord your God. So those are the, some of the scriptures that came up and helped us to receive this vision. Uh, they're all kind of growth images, rooted in the past, yet relevant today. St. Paul's sows the good news of Jesus for all people, 
from cradle to grave, various ages and, and colors, um, cultivates servant leaders and grows neighborly communities. And we feel that those principles are principles that would uh, be exciting and a vision that would uh, be compelling for us to live in together. Rooted in the past, yet relevant today. St. Paul sows the good news of Jesus for all people, cultivates servant leaders, and grows neighborly communities. Now goals and objectives will come down under that. Ministries, opportunities will be fleshed into that. But that's where we are. And we broke, broke it down to a, a coffee cup condensed version, which... <laughs> that is it. <laughs> so we started in fear and trembling uh, at a tree when we had to vow to be the family of God and go wherever God calls us and to allow us to hear the words of Branch Shelburne and let us do the lawyering and y'all do the ministry of growth and kingdom stuff and we decided we would and so we, we started out with a tree and we've ended up with a tree rooted, sows, grows and cultivates and so rooted, sowing, cultivating and growing is a coffee cup version. You'll see that on t-shirts and coffee cups and if the vestry um, will begin to hand out our new logo, that will be helpful. So just get the tree image is the, the, the picture of our vision for the next five to seven years. What the vestry are giving out right now is a new logo that speaks really into the rooted in the past yet relevant today. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why, but it's on the front of these t-shirts and you can order a t-shirt as well. Um, so there's the, uh, the picture of God's preferred future. It would be rooted in the past yet relevant today, sowing, cultivating leaders, and growing uh, in the gospel. And then at the bottom we have John 15, 5, I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Um, so that's, uh, that's what we'll keep before us as the vision. But Tom Galmarini, before he left us, I, uh, I asked him to make a logo that would be ancient modern, that would be rooted in the past yet relevant today. So what you'll see in most St. Paul's churches um, is a shield, uh, something similar to that. You'll oftentimes see a Bible in the middle because Paul was a man of the Word of God. And you'll see crossed swords in the middle of that Bible. And the crossed swords are the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so you get those images. And, and uh, so Tom took some of those concepts and created um, this more modern image of the, the crest of, of St. Paul. And so just to flesh out the few symbols we've got there so you'll understand them, we have this rectangle, which is symbolic of the Bible or the Word of God. And um, we've got this cross, which is large and compelling. And Paul said uh, that he preaches nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. So we wanted a big cross. Now at the end of the cross is one of those uh, lilies called the fleur-de-lis, which in Christian symbolism often symbolizes the Trinity. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And because we have Part of our, our tradition is in the Celtic church, he did a, a sort of uh, circle around the middle of the cross, more like a Celtic cross, not only going back in our historical roots, but also saying that 
that our God is eternal and never-ending. And so like a circle, God never ends. So we've got the Trinity, we've got the cross, we've got the eternality of God. Uh, and then that cross is on the rooting of Golgotha, uh, the place where Jesus died. And so there's the stone of Golgotha. And those rays of sunlight are actually the Ten Commandments, the law of God that we learn about in the Old Testament. And all those rays of commandments uh, are drawing us to the grace of the cross. And so law always leads to gospel if it's understood rightly because it takes us to a point of grace. And so there's law, there's gospel, there's light, there's joy. And last but not least, there's a sword embedded uh, in the cross. And you see the hilt of the sword up here and the length of the blade there. And so that is the sword of the Spirit that Paul talks about. Um, and so it's an ancient modern symbol. We'll have this on letterhead and other things like that. Uh, many thanks to Tom Galmarini for working with us on that. I think it's classy, it's ancient, it's modern. It's rooted in the past yet relevant today. Um, so we've got a lot of stuff to throw on you. Um, uh, we'll be opening up uh, as the vestry works through the process of, of ministry goals and opportunities. Uh, we'll be fleshing that out and we'll keep you posted in the meantime. Um, questions? Yes. The, we will have a sign up for you, Bill, next week. Just now, yours is more expensive. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Everybody else gets the discount. <laughs> Anybody else? Yes. Yeah. Alex? One observation I made is that talking about the uh, look like it's a Bible, but coming around it here, it's uh, more reminiscent of the shield. Yes, it is the shield. Uh, and embedded in that is the rectangle, which is uh, supposed to actually mimic the, the unfolded Bible. So, yes, it is a traditional shield. Um, that's, that's a good recognition. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're colors. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of going back to the ancient modern theme, um, because these are classical colors of vestments and the church. Uh, if you see um, most uh, of the fancy garments that the church wears, gold is, is really a primary color. Uh, blue can be used in seasons like Advent, um, and it's, it's also a royal color. And uh, so, so blue can be an Advent. Uh, red, of course, is typically your, your Pentecost, your spirit-filled uh, color. Um, and so... I don't know if that's everything that you wanted to say, Dawn, but that's very classical Anglicanism, classical Christianity. And then we got the blood of Christ. And like any symbol, the more you press into it, the more you see. So um, there's a richness there. Anything else? What's that? Good, good. Hey, that's part of this. Um, what I would like more than anybody else is to, for them to see your car and to associate you with St. Paul's and then to see you neighboring well in our community and for us to get the really great reputation of people saying, 
you're from that neighboring church, aren't you? That, that church uh, of winsome spirits and kindness and, and that goes the extra mile to love on people. And y'all are, are like the good Samaritan in the story. What, wouldn't it be nice for people to say, you're that neighboring church? And that's why we didn't want a symbol that, that was so vague and, and so trendy and so modern that it, it didn't allow people to understand who we are. And I know that if you've got 100,000 people in your New Springs, they know you're in, but they don't know St. Paul's. So I thought that this uh, would be more likely to, to click in somebody's brain, oh, you're at St. Paul's Anglican. And remember, that's who we are now. We've always been Anglican, but of course, we lost um, the last lawsuit on trademarks, and so we're not the Episcopal Diocese of South Carolina. We're not even the Diocese of South Carolina anymore. Uh, we are the Anglican Diocese of South Carolina. In the back. Diane. Love local. I like that. That's a great ideal to strive for. Yes, Patricia. <laughs> yeah. Love. Mm. That's that's good. That's good. So what we relate that to is the parable of the sower and the seed and the great increase. And, and part of that is uh, we're called to sow the seed. We're not in charge of the harvest. Uh, God's in charge of the harvest. If we will faithfully scatter the seeds of God's grace throughout our community, he's got to make sure it gets into the rich soil and has the nutrients that it needs and grows up into the harvest. So faithfulness uh, is what God requires, not fruitfulness. And so you may... Strike out with your neighbors. But if you are bold and risking for God, he will honor that in some way. Okay? Yes. Uh, those can be anything. You can put them on the glass of your car. You can put them on your bumper sticker. Uh, we'll have more later on. You can put them on your computer. You can put them on your Yeti cups. Uh, wherever you can stick something. They want to advertise your church. Any final thoughts? We've got two minutes. Um, we've gotten a lot accomplished today in just a little bit of time. Y'all got yours on your front door. That's a good idea, too. Yeah. yeah. Your mailbox. There you go. That's right. So the more you start to make that connection with St. Paul's, uh, I think the better our um, publicity and media, and because they're going to see loving people who are kind and grace-filled that have cars and and. Uh, mailboxes with this this logo. That's gonna be awesome. Yes. Uh, the well, if you haven't, if you ordered one through the church, they are available in the church office. If you go to the church building, we inaugurated them today. Today was the first usage of the new Books of Common Prayer. I didn't even know where to find the Eucharist. It's gonna take a while. Uh, One twenty-three. I know it's there now. 
Um, and, uh, and so it, get your book over there, um, and they are over there for usage as well. All right, got 60 seconds. Yes, Shannon. Great, thank you. And thank you for your prayers and for Kelly Testa um, working with an artist friend of hers who helped to, to create the, the logo vision, the tree in the background. And uh, Kelly's pressed into that and, and got these, church, these uh, shirts available in spite of the hurricane uh, just a few days ago. So we're, we're blessed to have her working hard on that. All right, so... Uh, let me go ahead and say, say a prayer, just uh, focus on the positive and leave the other stuff behind and let's grow the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we thank you that you are even here and now establishing a church that's rooted in the past yet relevant today, a church that won't uh, be swayed by the, by, the, uh, by the winds of change, dear Lord, that we are rooted in Christ Jesus and we're going to be that forever. And uh, Thank you that we're allowed to sow seeds of gospel hope, to cultivate servant leaders, and, and to be a part of, uh, of forming um, a kingdom here on earth that would glorify your name. And so uh, help us to live into this vision. Uh, help us to be the church uh, without walls, a church that would even go and worship under a tree if necessary. And uh, dear Lord, thank you for calling us, redeeming us, and bringing us all together in a, a healthy, authentic uh, loving community. Thank you for St. Paul's. Thank you for your awesome calling, your vision for our next several years together. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.